Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And today we're going to be discussing the end times. (laughs) Yeah. So this all started one fateful day. I came home. Mm -hmm. We were already working on some other things. Uh, 12 other things. Yeah, we always have four or five potential investigations that we're juggling. And my wife, my lovely wife, Cara, my wife. she kind of sheepishly, almost begrudgingly, <laughs> hands me this flyer. I can see this happening in my head. And she's looking down kind of at the ground more than me, saying, I wanted to throw this away. It came in the mail, <laughs> but I knew you'd want to see it. <laughs> And, uh, and it says appropriately, what in the world is going on? And world is flaming, and so is the giant question mark. How does Bible prophecy reveal hope about the end of time? And then it's got pictures of like a man in battle, a big hourglass, a big earth. And yeah, like the Wall Street sign. And it's all kind of in apapocalyptic coloring. Was I didn't see until just now that multimedia sign. So special we know. <laughs> multimedia presentations. And at the upper left, it says presented by Amazing Facts. Amazing Facts. So this already sounds intriguing. It also says coming to the holiday in Burbank beginning Friday, January 6th at 7 p.m. And boy, you know, as we're recording this, it's funny to see the term amazing facts because we've been hearing so much about alternate facts. Yeah. And in fact, this flyer came before the coining of the phrase alternative Alternative. facts by Miss Kellyanne Conway. Thanks for that. These are amazing facts. So these are definitely true. Yeah, you flip it open and you've got like a picture of Jesus. These kind of look like Polaroids here. Picture of Jesus with his arms open. You've got a guy with like a UPC barcode Barcode. label on his forehead. And you've got... Indicative of the mark of the beast. And then you've got a picture of a lion with wings and a bear with something in its mouth or really thick whiskers, some kind of dinosaur and a leopard. I'll tell you right now, Ross, that that's a bear with three bones in its mouth. Well, don't get ahead of... I'm just... We didn't know that at the time. I'm just telling you. It says, our day in Bible prophecy. We've got a picture of David Stewart. He's going to be our... Uh, teacher. Teacher. Yep. Our imparter of amazing facts. And then is that his wife right there? Yeah, his, okay. his lovely wife, Nina. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so what's not to want? And these titles here, like The Mark of the Beast Issue Part 1. Oh, man, I'm in. You had me at Beast. Prophecies Countdown. Prophecy Superpowers. If anyone is listening to this and just has no background knowledge on what the Mark of the Beast is. Oh, my uh, goodness. I know, right? Some people didn't grow up evangelical like you and me. That's a good point. It's such a part of my core that I was kind of raised with this end time belief. Yeah. Uh, This almost feels like coming home for me. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, cool. I'm so excited to get into this biblical prophecy again. A little bit on my bona fides. One thing my sister and I loved to do was watch a little evangelical film. It was in the 70s, clearly, but it was called A Thief in the Night, which 
in biblical prophecy, they say that Jesus will return like a thief in the night, mm-hmm. which is really weird to compare Jesus to a thief. But sure. Let's not dwell on that too long. But Go. I think the idea is like you won't expect him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you need to be prepared. Now, right. today is the day of salvation. So it was about, I don't want to get into the theology of it, it disagrees with what we learned here. But essentially, the idea was that the rapture happened, the Christians disappeared, and then you follow these people who are not saved as they try to survive under the rule of the Antichrist, Okay, a lot like Left Behind. Yeah, totally, in that same theological vein. And so that was something I was raised with. We watched that all the time. And then I remember in fifth or sixth, I think it was sixth grade, I gave a presentation to my class on possible technologies that could be the mark of the beast. Okay, so the mark of the beast is something that happens at during the end times. Yes. And the idea is that it's something that eventually you'll need in order to do business around the world. Right. So it's how the beast will mark his own, and the beast is foretold in the prophecy that this is uh, one of God's enemies, essentially. And you'll have to get the mark of the beast on your forehead or on the back of your right hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the left hand doesn't work. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, it's when you're leaving Disneyland and you like put down the wrong hand and they're like, other hand, (laughs) so that they can streamline it. That makes sense. Devil owns a lot of people. I remember I had been reading sources on this. And so in my presentation to my grade school class, I was saying, turns out that like the most thermally variable parts in the body are the... The forehead and the back of the right hand. Whoa, what does that matter? <laughs> and it's not true. You know, it's, just, it's such a ridiculous thing. <laughs> but also, thing. Why, would that ma- why would that matter? I think my thinking at the time was it was going to be some kind of microchip or uh-huh. like essentially an RFID tag, uh-huh. a radio frequency identifier. And, you know, I laughed a little bit at the expense of the people who had believed that it was the barcode on products. Because when the UPC code came out, a lot of people like resisted it. Like, no, this is a mark of the beast. You're going to say we can't buy or sell without this mark. Uh-huh. Never mind that no one was getting it on their hands or foreheads. But I'm still not following why it would matter whether your hands and forehead turn hot and cold quickly. No, it, it doesn't matter at all. Oh, it was okay. just random anomalies, uh, okay. fake anomalies <laughs> I that I latched onto. Interesting. I was really proud of that. I remember that an old boyfriend of mine many years ago didn't want to get our dog microchipped because he was afraid that it was like a slippery slope to the mark of the beast. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever believe that Jesus's return was imminent? That's a good question. I don't think I ever thought that he was likely to return in my lifetime. Okay. I definitely did. I felt we were in the very last days. Because I remember hearing actually the same boyfriend say that. Oh, well, I've always thought that Jesus would probably come back in my lifetime. And I remember being like, well, don't you think like everyone's thought that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, well, someone has to be right. And I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. But yeah, yeah, that just like felt intuitively like yeah. that's like being so sure you're going to win the lottery. You know? <laughs> that's very level headed of you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not sure if I knew much about failed predictions of the past, but they clearly didn't weigh upon me at all. Mm. We were always taught in terms of various signs in biblical prophecy that you're supposed to look for. Like there will be wars and rumors of wars. Right. And there will be earthquakes, atmospheric weather patterns, that kind of stuff. Uh, we would collectively be presented with you know earthquakes that had happened and yeah. and wars. <laughs> and, and of course, there's been wars all along. Right. And in fact, now there are fewer wars 
wars than mm-hmm. there were in the past. Smaller percentage of the population is affected by those wars. Right. That didn't seem to concern us at all. And then there was also just rampant speculation about who the Antichrist was. Yeah. So there's like the beast and then there's the Antichrist and these are all central figures. And so it would be someone who would be like kind of pretending to be Jesus and he would suffer a head wound and recover from it. And there were, again, all these little bits of prophecy like, oh, he'll be from the East. And so we would endlessly speculate. And so various world leaders would be trumpeted as, oh, that's the Antichrist. Uh I think both of us were hopeful that maybe they would be hung up on like Trump or Clinton or something that would just be exciting. I want to hear who's the current Antichrist because we've heard all of these years of Obama being the Antichrist. It was fun. I I Google searched one day, you know, you can like enter in a search result and it will give you how many thousands of results there are. And there's just like hundreds of thousands of results for Obama Antichrist or Clinton Antichrist. Mm -hmm. So, okay, now that those are both expired. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Who's the Antichrist now? So yeah, we were excited about this. I texted you the image of the flyer and you're like, let's do it. Yeah. So you sent it and we were already, like you say, we're in the middle of some things. So I was like, ah. I almost said like, nah, you know, because I was kind of like- got too much going on. Yeah. And I was kind of like on the bubble about it. But then you sent me the pictures inside the flyer and I was like, oh man, Mark of the Beast. And yeah, I remember getting the impression that like we were going to find out who the Antichrist is. And I was like, oh. God, I hope it's Clinton. I just really <laughs> want to hear like that Hillary's going to kill us all or whatever. And for once, this was all happening within five minutes of my house. I was like, oh, this mm, is so yeah. convenient. Yeah. And also, this had been scheduled. Like, clearly, they had gotten the hotel before the election. Right. So, you know, it's like, okay, did they pick one of the two candidates before they even knew who would win? But they were just so confident that that person was still going to be the Antichrist. I don't know. I was really like convinced it was going to be one of those two people. We should also note that that at this point they were advertising 10 talks. They gave the titles and times and dates of 10 talks. And that's a lot of talks because they're they're advertised as being two hours or so. It doesn't say how long they are, but but we quickly learned that they're each an hour and a half, essentially, Uh let's say on average. Some or two. And it says other topics include, and it says over 20 in all, but you just assume, oh, okay, well, there's going to be subtopics within these talks that right. they're going to or address. Right, or this seminar puts on other events that you can go to, and these are some other topics you can see, but, right. they're, but they're not here in Burbank. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, yeah. But, and how much yeah. is this going to cost us, Carrie? It's going to be free 50 free. <laughs> it's a completely free seminar. Yeah. And, and when you go to their website to sign up in advance, you don't have to, but you can, If you sign up and print out your receipt, you get this uh, coupon. Redeem this coupon at our seminar and receive your free DVD. Ooh, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. So I printed mine out because I wanted that DVD. It says, Did you get it? We'll find out. We'll find out. All right. So on the very first day, though, I couldn't go. Yeah, it was a Friday evening. That's tricky. And it was it was in the next few days. So I couldn't go. But you were like, I have no life. I can go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're at least as busy as I am. I canceled, you, made, you made room. I canceled my plans. I showed up there on Friday at 7 o'clock. Brought a friend. Well, I ran into a friend there. I ran into oh. two friends, actually. The reason I got this flyer is because they mailed it out to all of Burbank, essentially. And another one of my friends who lives in Burbank had received the flyer. And he posted about it online. So I knew at least someone else knew about this. 
And so he showed up with another mutual friend. So both okay. Dave Bianchi and Jim Newman were there. Okay, cool. Hey, buddy. So we all sat next to each other in the second row on the right-hand side. When you first come in, there's a lot of people there standing in the lobby of the hotel. It's this kind of double tower high-rise holiday inn in Burbank, very visible from all over town. And we noticed immediately there were a lot of Southeast Asian people there. Mm -hmm. So those were the ones mainly greeting us. And so right in as you come in at the lobby, they direct you to the left and there's double doors and you're inside. And it was a big conference room. There's a little registration table. So they had me fill out my name and address and all that stuff and do it twice. There were like two separate things I had to fill out and clearly they were going to follow up with me later. And so I presented my coupon said, mm -hmm. hey, I'd like to get my DVD. And someone kind of like quickly changed the subject and <laughs> and then they started talking about something else. And so I kind of mentioned it again and like they sort of ignored me again. And so I was like, okay, I'm clearly uh -oh, weird. not getting my DVD. But they didn't give me like a flat oh, sorry, we don't have those or we're out of them or nothing like that. You know what? This checks out. I think we should start counting the sort of Bait misdirections. Bait and switch slash misdirection. Bait and switch seminars. number one. Yeah. And they have these Bibles that you can pick up and the Bible has apocalyptic imagery on it. I accidentally took one home, Ross, so we can look at it. Oh, well, that was legit because you're allowed to keep one after you've attended 10 sessions and you've attended 10 sessions. I just haven't taken mine home yet. Oh, I thought I had to attend the whole thing to get it. That's what they said initially. But after there had been 10 total, they said, okay, who has been here for every single one of these? And only like seven people raised their hands. Oh, you get to keep a Bible. Ah. And I had missed, I had missed one at that point. Oh, okay. And so they said, you can come to one more and then you can keep a Bible. But I've left them there because that would be one more thing for me to schlep around. Honestly, I am very excited because I love the design of it's this It's pretty Bible. cool. Yeah, describe it. It's very dramatic. <laughs> it's got the blue and what do they call this turquoise and orange effect you know that they use on superhero posters oh sure yeah we've got both warm and cold lighting right it gives this like yeah very end of the world kind of dramatic feel and then there's an enormous hand presumably the hand of god holding a huge hourglass that is almost run out and that hourglass is almost as big as the earth and the hourglass is like bumping into the earth which is spinning around on its axis while clouds billow up from below it's ooh, my it's intense and then it says the sands of time for this old sin-cursed world are fast running out the prophecies of god's holy word are nearly all fulfilled Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. When you flip open the, the front cover, you see that it is the authorized King James Version, mm -hmm. authorized by Melissa Scott. <laughs> yeah, this is from Seminars Unlimited, which I'll tell you about a little later, but specifically for prophetic seminars. Oh, wow. Okay, so special edition and printing of the Bible. Yeah, and in the back, they have all kinds of study materials. So they've added all these additional resources for you to look up. and Including kind of, a little concordance, which is nice. And I think something like a salvation plan or something like that. Yeah, I think there's like a little Q&A, isn't there? Yeah. I haven't read through that yet. I'll pick one question and read it to you. Okay. What help in knowing God did Jesus promise us? No one asks questions that way. No one asks that. Anyway, then it just gives you scripture. John 16, 17. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. Uh, boring. Anyway, 
Yeah, there's a Q&A in the back. So I counted about 60 people in the room once it really got started. So cool. decent crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, the room could probably seat 200 if you really pack the seats. And my buddy Jim Newman, he was there and he was predicting that this was going to be about the Bible code. You know, uh-huh, where yeah. there was a popular book by that name and then follow ups. And the whole idea is that you can take the letters of the Bible and then arrange them in a specific way. And then all of a sudden you can do like little crossword puzzle finds and mm-hmm. skip letters and invent all kinds of weird rules and go backwards and do whatever right. and transliterate it into English and somehow get your prophecies there. But you'd find all these things in the Bible like September 11th, Osama right. Towers, <laughs> something right. like that. Of course, none of that is at all useful until after the fact when you can go and find those things. Uh-huh. So it has no predictive value and very little interest. But I was saying, no, no, I think this is going to be straight scripture. Mm-hmm. Guess who was right? Uh, you were. Yeah, there was no Bible code. Yeah, there's no Bible code. So this was the time at which we met Lowell, Pastor Lowell. Oh, Lowell. Love Lowell. So I think he was the local pastor who was kind of helping facilitate the seminar. And uh, so he always does the introductions. And yeah, his English isn't, at least his enunciation isn't the easiest for me to understand. And he'll ask like a lot of kind of corny jokes. And he's just always making these weird little comments that are sort of hard to respond to. But he's very lovable and sweet guy and full of smiles. Uh, Mm -hmm. So he did his introduction. We were up to about 70 people at that time. So yeah, I'd say that was about the average Mm -hmm. uh, for these seminars. Certainly at the beginning, it was about 70 people each time, which is a good crowd of people. And they asked how many people got our mailers, and that's why you're here. And a good 10 to 15 people raised their hands. Oh, okay. Including myself, yeah. So that worked. And they they seriously sent them out like two days before this was starting. That's like how much notice we had. (laughs) So very last minute change of plans. Yeah, no kidding. That has kind of taken over our lives at this point. (laughs) And the next person we meet is Dave Stewart. He's Mm -hmm. that minister. And he was a prosecutor for 15 years in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like ever since he gave that up, he's been this itinerant minister who's gone all over the world. And he would then give us tons of references later on. Oh, he's such a humble bragger about his prosecution cases. To his time as a lawyer. So wouldn't it be the last we'd hear about that? Mm -hmm. So he kind of set out that this was going to be about Daniel and Revelation and that these are really the texts in the Bible that foretell the future with prophecy. And Daniel was part of the Old Testament, for those of you who aren't too familiar with the Bible, is kind of towards the end. And it was supposedly written in the time of Babylonian exile. And there was this young man named Daniel. That's what this first lecture kind of set up, was this whole story of the King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, which was a bonus point spelling quiz answer when I was in fourth grade. Oh, wow. So if you had asked fourth grade Ross how to spell Nebuchadnezzar, you would have been able to say Nebu Chad Nazar. That's what it looks like. Uh, and so Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and vision, and he tells this to all his soothsayers and magicians and all these other court folks and says, I want to really test you on this one. Don't just tell me what the dream means. I'm not even going to tell you the dream. So you have to tell me what I dreamed and tell me what it means. Mm -hmm. And Dave Stewart kind of spun this slightly differently where he was saying that he had forgotten the dream. But I always got the impression, I feel from the text, that he was just giving them an extra challenge because how else would he know that they got it right? Yeah, no, that seems like a good test. It's a good way to test a psychic too. Like instead of being like, 
My uncle's name was Paul, and he died, and he had brown hair, and he was 65, and he died of a heart attack. Does he have anything to say to me? You could say, like, you know, uh, I want to hear from my uncle. Or say- see if they give you that information. Somebody in my family recently died. Can you tell me who that was? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Good job, King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. That's why you're king. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar. Nazar. And so then- they all fail, and so they're all killed or whatever. And so they bring young Hebrew Daniel forth, and he correctly says the king's vision. And it's about this like statue, and it's made out of all these different types of metal. And then he interprets it and says that your end is nigh, and he foretells the future for Nebuchadnezzar. And that mm-hmm. was kind of the substance then of this seminar is to deconstruct that vision and exactly what it foretold for the future. Again, for anyone who's like totally Bible illiterate, the Bible's divided into two major parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And mm-hmm. so what we're talking about right now is in the Old Testament. 66 books in the Bible total, 39 of them are in the Old Testament. So the New Testament deals with Jesus's life, his death, and then the ministry that came after his death. In the Old Testament, you have the creation of the world and Adam and Eve and Noah and all that stuff is just in Genesis and then Moses all through like the book of Leviticus and then the time of the judges and then the time of the kings. And then you have like kind of this poetic interlude and then you've got the prophets. So that's kind of the substance of the Old Testament leading up to a few hundred years before year zero, essentially, where we all count our time back to the supposed birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You're Um, all caught up now. So this stuff in Daniel is in the Old Testament. Most of the prophetic teachings are in the Old Testament, except for our old friend Revelation, which is at the very end of the book in the New Testament. And it's fucking nuts, you guys. Wait until we get to that. Revelation. Oh, man. That is definitely a person on drugs. But anyway, (laughs) go on. Lots to say about Revelation. Yeah. And then we got treated to a vocal performance by the E chords. Oh, the E chords. We'll come to hear a lot from them. Yeah. So this time it was four women and four men. So they sang. And how were they? Uh, They can be a little up and down. Were they good that day? I wrote good singers, exclamation mark. I felt they did a good job. Good, good. I know I'm not as much of a connoisseur as Carrie Poppy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But to me, they were good. I feel put on the spot. Um, (laughs) No, I feel like they're just up and down. Like, some days I'm like, good job. And then sometimes I'm like, uh. Hmm. But I think their members also come and go. So some days they have seven or eight members, and sometimes they have five. And so those, like, three or four could kind of change things quite a bit. And then there was a raffle. So this was another regular theme. So we had all gotten these little barcodes at the beginning that we could use to scan in. I hope they're not the Mark of the Beast. And uh, there would be like raffle. That would be the real bait and switch. That would be amazing. <laughs> Based on your barcode, they'd call out a number. And so some woman won this gigantic concordance. And I had to tell myself, you know, because I have this desire to win things. Yeah. Don't we all? Sure. I was like, where would I put this concordance? I don't have a concordance, so I wouldn't oh. mind. Um, I would have given it to you then. I mean, that said, I don't want anyone to go buy me a concordance. I want a free one that I've won. But a concordance, by the way, is like a Bible index. Mm-hmm, where you can look. Look up a term and then see all the different parts of the Bible that it's used in. Yeah. So uh, Dave Stewart then really got into it and he laid out the lay of the land of all of the various prophecies and times that people have believed the end was imminent. And he used Y2K as an example mm-hmm. and 9-11 and just kind of set the stage that we're all curious about these questions. We want to okay. know when the world is going to end. He mentioned that they use the King James Version because it's the most trusted 
So I think they'll just find a more receptive audience if they use the King James, even though it's greatly out of date and Mm -hmm. not from the best original sources. Fine. Why not? I mean, most trusted. I I don't know. I think that's fair, at least for the generation, I think, before us. They were all kind of raised with that. That's probably true. I'm just thinking these people's whole thing is adherence to original scripture. So to just Mm. suddenly be like, uh, we're just going to go with like what most people are most comfortable with. You're right. That's a really good point because they pretty thoroughly trounce the role of tradition yeah. versus scriptural accuracy. Later on, we'll spend a good three or four minutes talking about the placement of a comma. Seriously, yeah, if that's your standard. Yeah, good point. Thank you. That's our show. He gives the lay of the land with Jesus predicting the destruction of the temple and just kind of these various cues to let us know the broad swath of biblical prophecy and what signs we're going to be looking at. And he mentions that revelation itself, the root word of that is reveal. So God wants to Mm -hmm. reveal things to us. And he told the whole story of the Rosetta Stone being found and said the Bible kind of does that for itself. It gives you all these different clues that you can use to find additional Uh data from the Bible. And and I think this was the first introduction to what we saw a lot of later, which is this idea that the Bible is written as this unified whole. All of it agrees with the rest of it. Mm -hmm. All the authors were perfectly inspired and kind of in union. So you can really just kind of go from one section of the Bible to the other and tie all these different things together. Right. And I think that's... Which is like, I think, a fairly common uh, position for Christians. Totally what I was raised with. Definitely those ground rules were set. And once you do that, then you can really start hopping through the Bible. Yeah, boy, and will we? (laughs) The audience was constantly chiming in with little amens. Yes. uh Yeah, it's a very amen-y crowd. Yeah, we already had a really receptive audience. They also emphasized that you don't want to miss a meeting. This is really important. Oh, boy. And in fact, if you are tempted to miss a meeting or if you're like, oh, I had plans... And come on, they told us about this two days before it started, this 10 lecture seminar. They said that that was the influence of Satan, that he was going to try. Whoa. Yeah, they specifically said that that is the devil trying to keep you from attending these lectures. And so you you need to actively resist those those things that would tempt you. Yeah, so already this really strong, that has a psychological effect that you feel like, oh, well, if I'm thinking about commitments I've made to other people, like, oh, well, that's that's the devil. And if I really want to be a righteous person in their eyes, I need to show up all the time. It also might have the opposite effect where you're just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just stop coming because Mm. I can only go to seven of the 10. Maybe a smart person would think that way, but (laughs) for me, it just makes me feel guilty. I need to show up as much as I possibly can. That still works on me. Uh, So then he sets up the whole story of Daniel and goes into that in more detail. Oh, I learned something new. Uh In the King James Version, they kept having the word S-H-E-W. Yes, which means show. Right. Sounds like cheer. Got a really, really good cheer. All my life. I've said like, oh, and he shoo unto them, you know, like ye I, uh-huh. I, is not pronounced you, but it turns out S-H-E-W is pronounced show. Yeah, what? Man, that cut right or to my core. Or at least these people pronounce it show. No, I looked up oh, okay. the pronunciation. That's the pronunciation. Okay, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, a lot of leading questions, and we experience this all throughout, like the, and does God care for us? 
Yes. Yes. There's no other answer to that question. He really likes the questions that are leading negatives. Like, and would God want something like that to happen to us? Does he just sit back and say, hey, it's okay if you act however you want? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Yeah. He loves it those. Felt like being in Sunday school for yeah. grade school children. So, yeah, essentially, Daniel's going to lay out this prophecy that would take us from 606 BC to the end of history. And I should mention that most modern scholarship places the writing of Daniel much later in the second century BCE, before the Common Era, or BC, if you want to stick to that terminology, but that it was written hundreds of years after it was supposedly authored and that they were just kind of telling the story from Babylonian Uh, captivity. That is what I think most secular scholars believe and even some religious scholars, but clearly that is not the operating assumption in that room. So Nebuchadnezzar's vision was, again, the statue, and it had a gold head, and it had silver chest and arms, and it had a brass belly and thighs, iron legs, and then feet that were a combination of iron and clay. How boring is this? Hearing about somebody's dream is pretty much always boring. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is true, even unto biblical times. Uh This is so boring, and... If you came in off the street and you were like, we're going to tell you about the end of the world. Okay, one time someone had a dream and it was about a statue (laughs) and the top of the statue was made of wood and the middle of the statue was made of bronze and the belly of the statue, (laughs) like what? Oh, and we spent a lot of time on this. And so we jump around scripture and we're looking at like all the support for these various things. (sighs) And so I'm going to condense about an hour down for you into like a minute. We learn then this is all you know factual these are amazing facts Mm -hmm. we don't give you amazing opinions yes right the gold head is nebuchadnezzar himself and his mighty kingdom of babylon but then we learned that the silver represents the next kingdom they will be overthrown by the Uh medo-persians okay and then along will come the brass and that is going to be the greek empire uh-huh. So he spends a lot of time sounds like a real stretch. talking uh-huh. about Alexander. And then the iron comes after that. That's the legs, for those of you following along at home. And the legs are the Roman Empire. They're made of iron. <sighs> then the feet are mixed of iron and clay. And so the idea is that Rome never fully dies away, that we are now in the time of divided Rome and that no other power like ever controls the known world. Now, this is totally just ignoring all the Asian cultures that also had large kingdoms. Also, this is insane. I mean, that God would be like, I want humanity to know about the end of the world. I want them to be warned. So here's what I'll do. In a dream, I'll (laughs) tell one king that there was a statue one time. And the statue is made of these materials. That'll get my point across. <laughs> the look on your face. No, no. You, you, it's preposterous. Yeah, you, when you say it that way. Yeah, well. And so we are in the time of these toes now mm-hmm. because that iron mixed with clay is representing all of these other nations that arise out of the remnants of Rome that have continued on to present day. And so they list them out for us. The Ten Kingdoms are the Alemanni, the German. I'm not going to give the terms they use. The German, Swiss, French, Italians, English, Portuguese, the Visigoths or the Spanish, and then three other kingdoms that are now extinct, the Heruli, the Vandals, and the Ostrogoths. Mm, Great. (laughs) 
Yeah. He even said, we are now in the toenails of the feet, essentially, which means, <laughs> you know, we're in the last days. All of these prophecies are- We are the fungus of the toenail. Fulfilling of the now. And, and these uh, future seminars are going to explain to us exactly how this all works. But yeah, I love that they give these time frames of Babylon, and that's, you know, like less than 100 years. Then Medo-Persia, and that's maybe 200 years. And then Greece, that goes from 331 to 168 BC. And then Rome goes from 168 BC to 476 AD. And then divided Rome goes from 476 AD to present. <laughs> okay. That's a lot of time in those feet. Those yeah. should have been really big Yeah, feet. yeah. Should just be like a little tiny person on huge feet. That was the gist of it. But again, it was like an hour and a half of really detailed jumping around scripture and learning about the history of these various cultures and all of this culminating in a promise for the next seminar, which will be Mark of the Beast issue part one. And then you were like, okay, now that sounds good. Yeah. So on my way out, they handed me a study guide in a black binder that I could use to keep all of my study guides. All of that free. They mm-hmm. just gave it to nice. me. Didn't have my DVD though. Uh huh. And I. You had printed out a coupon, bait and switch number one. And so I left on my merry way. All right. And then the very next night. Yeah, Saturday, we came back. You brought me. Yeah, I brought a friend. Yeah. And I thought I might win something for that, but somebody brought three friends. Oh, God. Barely anybody brought a friend, too. The population was about the same. I didn't win whatever it was Lowell was giving away. Tisk, tisk, tisk. To friend bringers. And this was a Saturday. And on <laughs> Saturdays, they have two lectures. So they start earlier. They start at six o'clock. <laughs> no. This would begin an ongoing bit for us. Yes. So they were kind of unclear on their various messaging about what time each lecture was. It said one thing on their pamphlet. It said another on their website. Yeah, the very first one was confusing like that because it said 7 o'clock on the pamphlet. The website said 6.30. I think that's right. Yeah. As we were coming in, there was a banner that said 7.15. Okay. And so... And then it started at like 7.08 or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, Not to nitpick, like that's obviously 7. But... I showed up at 6.30 because I was worried I would be late. Oh, right. Yeah, so then I asked you... Hey, what time does this thing start? Because the website disagrees with the pamphlet. And you're like, don't listen to either thing. Come at six, no matter what anything says. So like, okay. But from there out, because of this constant confusion, we just started doing this bit with each other where for every <laughs> single talk, we'd be like, wait, what time is that? Oh, that's at seven. But and the then, next one, what what time is that, that going to be? That's seven. That's the one we were talking about. That's at seven. That's also at seven. <laughs> is that, that So that's an hour after six or two hours after six? Pull up your calendar. Pull up your calendar. See right there? That's seven. That's uh-huh. when it starts. Oh, okay. Right here? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. People Never are... got old for us. Nope. Mm-mm. To this day, still warms the cockles of my heart. <laughs> We're still doing it. All right. So uh, part two, we're back. Uh, yeah. At this point, I'm excited. I have never been there. You were already there waiting in the third row. Came and joined you. Yep. Oh, and great news. Because it's inside of a hotel, a Holiday Inn, there is a restaurant that has hot drinks. Yeah, Carrie can get her coffee and bring it back. I got a coffee to go. I walked in there with my hot coffee. Oh, You brought me a hoo, cold drink. Hoo, hoo. Oh, that's right. A charcoal drink. That's right. Yeah, you really <laughs> like lemonade. <laughs> so I was, I'm a big fan of lemonade. I was at a health food store and I was like, oh, I'll get Ross this nice, fancy $3 lemonade. 
And then I looked, and right next to the fancy, yummy-looking $3 lemonade, there was a disgusting-looking $10 lemonade that had charcoal in it. And And, and you decided, I'm going to pay $10. To watch Ross drink this. (laughs) Because it was at this hippie natural food store, which, I mean, I frequent those all the time, so I'm not making fun. But I really loved the idea of watching you drink charcoal. Mm -hmm. So I got you the charcoal lemonade for $10. Well, thank you. It sounded disgusting. That's a very sweet gesture. <laughs> Why are you yeah, squinting like that? It tasted fine until like the dregs. There was charcoal in there and it was yeah. kind of... How was your poop after that? Kind of gritty. You know, I didn't notice any change. No. Oh. Uh, yeah, Pastor huh. Lowell did his usual introduction. He'll kind of go on for a while making little jokes about how like, oh, I'm 47. And uh, he didn't look that old. So none of us really bad. And I was like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm 74. You get it? You switch it back. Like, oh, we, we got it immediately. Is he 74? Yeah. Right? Oh, wow. He's a very young looking 74. I believed 74. you when you said he was 47. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing okay, Lowell. Uh, and then, wow. like, at one point he asked, who regrets coming? But, like, I heard only the last part of his question. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, he's asking for participation. So I, oh, that's right. <laughs> I raised my laugh. hand. <laughs> You're like, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but, yeah. like, who asks questions like that? Who regrets coming? And you would just absentmindedly like raise your hand really high. That was great. <laughs> yeah, I like to participate. And then you were like, wait, what? What do you? <laughs> and uh, then they do uh, not a raffle, but this time they're they're giving away again to whoever brought the most guests. And so they're giving away a copy of the book, The Richest Caveman. Ooh. I didn't win. It went to some lady named Linda. I'm happy for you, Linda. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And then this started with the five-question quiz. So from the second meeting on, every time they asked five very obvious leading questions from the previous seminar, Mm -hmm. and you answer true or false. I think there have been a couple that weren't obvious. That Actually, that's true. I've gotten some wrong. I took pictures of all of these, so I will share them on the website. So you can quickly get some scriptural truth. So then Dave Stewart gets up and he says like, do you all want to know my opinion on the end times? And we're all like, yeah. And he's like, oh. I knew what he was doing too. <laughs> you didn't like, fall for that. Mm-hmm. So what did he what's say? Happen here. Is, is he giving us his opinion, Carrie? No, it doesn't matter what his opinion is. It matters what's in the Bible. We bring facts. Amazing facts. Amazing facts. Cool. I knew it. I knew that's what he was going to do. And I was like, I don't like you. But. <laughs> I turned I turned out to like him very much. Yeah, yeah. That one that one little trick there I didn't like. Is that another bait and switch? Yeah, let's call it bait and switch. <laughs> That's a light one. Number two. The E chords come up and sing again. So this is your first dose of them. And uh five men, five mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. And uh did just fine. They sang Lord, I can never be lost from you. Mm-hmm. He starts with a prayer, and every time the man drops to the ground, yeah, he, he takes kneels. a knee. Yeah, He reviews yesterday's information. He talks about the mark of the beast and how many people have talked about microchip implants. He asks, is this the same as the number 666? No. No. Those are different. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You can tell already at this point that like a good half at least of this audience knows some of this information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are kind of like insiders. Absolutely, yeah. They've heard this before. They know yeah. what to say. Clearly, most of the people there. Yeah. I feel like there's very few people off the street like ourselves. Right. And so then like he shows us why they're not the same and shows a verse from Revelation. And then he points out like, see, there's the word or there. And in English, what kind of word is or? So I yell out, conjunction. He's like, are you an English teacher? Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's like, no, most people... In 
know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I think he said, oh, just a language fan. <laughs> sure. Like that. I listened to Conjunction yeah. Junction growing yeah. <laughs> up. I knew what its function was. I'm a big fan of speaking, yes. <laughs> uh, so he goes into this whole beast imagery. And so we get into the next section of Daniel And we're jumping back and forth between Daniel and Revelation, but again, to sum up a lot of speaking, essentially we look at another vision in Daniel 7. Then he goes into the story kind of after that initial vision where Nebuchadnezzar builds this gigantic statue of all gold. We spent a long time talking about just how much gold that is. It's a lot of gold. so much gold. So much gold, you wouldn't believe. And it's like... (laughs) You wouldn't believe. It's so much gold. (laughs) So much gold. More gold. I got to work on my Trump impersonation. Yeah, it's like 90 feet tall of gold. So we spend a lot of time talking about cubits and what that means, et cetera. And Mexico's going to pay for it. (laughs) The Medo-Persians are going to pay for it. The cubit, that is a biblical length that is uh, essentially like from your- The most useless length. Yeah, it's like, hey, I've got got an arm here. So from my elbow to the tip of my fingers, that's going to be a cubit. But guess what, Sherlock? (laughs) My arm's a different length. There are different lengths for different arms. So, yeah, a lot of biblical measurements are given in cubits. But, hey, you got to start somewhere, Carrie. Oh, my God. Such a bad system. (laughs) So we learn that the book of Revelation is a summary of the whole Bible. What? Uh, He said, like, out of the 404 verses, about 276 are paraphrasing the Old Testament. Okay. And it's somehow retelling the whole history sort of as a... Yeah, I'm, I wasn't sure of that argument. I went, huh? Okay, I'm okay. just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> blaze right past this. I'm gonna believe you, you guys. If you haven't read Revelation, sit down for an afternoon with that. Get a hot cup of tea and just plow through that, and just ask yourself: Is it humanly possible that this individual wasn't either on drugs or had a uh, an illness? We would now gently help them treat with a psychiatric professional. I was going to say, if you are a user of cannabis, you might want to partake before reading said book. I suppose. For a heightened gonna... visual experience. Oh, can you, you can just... you read while being on the influence of pot? Yeah, but I think you would just forget everything like really fast. No. So you would be really confused in Revelation. So we're taught that 666 has to do with ancient pagan worship. And I'm not quite sure how he got that, but he talks about how the Babylonians had 60 based measurements, like 60 seconds comes from Babylonian oh, right. timekeeping and like the degrees on, of measurement also kind of stem from their measurement system. Uh, but I'm, I'm not quite sure how he tied that to 666. Yeah, and never do they uh, mention in any of these uh, series like the whole 616. Uh, any of you who are really into the whole Mark of the Beast thing will know what that means, but I don't. I won't go. Oh, there's now a common scholarship that says that the whole 666 was originally supposed to be 616. And referring to the Emperor Nero. Oh. Uh, yeah, so that's some fun reading. Oh, yeah. At one point, he was saying, remember the theory of relativity? All things are relative. Oh, that's right. Even morals. Yeah. No, that's not the theory of relativity. Nope, that has nothing to do with anything like the theory of relativity. You're not a heavy science reader, are you? Yeah. You're thinking of moral relativity, and even then, you've kind of misrepresented it. <laughs> he, he said soon after that we should be willing to be faithful, even if it means our lives. And your eyes got wide. Oh. <laughs> I, wrote th- I wrote that in my notes here. Carrie, wide-eyed. Yeah, that's like a pretty drastic thing to say. So uh, then we looked at the story where now that this 
huge statue has been built by Nebuchadnezzar. They ask for Daniel's friends to bow to this. Normal. So it's a story of everybody being commanded to bow before this gigantic statue of gold. And Daniel's buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Mm -hmm. they refuse. Yeah, they say no fucking thanks because we believe in the one true God. He says not to take any false idols. If you want to punish us, we're civil disobedience. Throw us in the fucking fiery pit. And they say, okay, go in the fiery pit. We don't care. That was a punishment. Death. Yeah. So those three get thrown in the fiery pit. And guess what happens, Ross? They are not burned. Fire touches them not. They don't even smell smoky. Mm-mm. And when they're in there, they throw three people in there. I wonder where Daniel was this whole time. I guess maybe he was protected because he was now like an advisor of the king. I don't know. Anyways, Jesus shows up next time, or at least there is a fourth figure, right. and it is bright and shining as the sun. And, and we are David always David Stewart tells us it's Jesus. Yeah, and I was always told in Sunday school it would blow my mind if one of our listeners tells us that they've never heard that story before, uh-huh. because I heard it so many times growing up. It's just like such a part of my. Oh, I don't know if I heard it growing up. Oh, my goodness. But I didn't really go to Sunday school. Okay. I became an evangelical when I was 13. You really don't get all that much Old Testament-y teaching stuff, at least in my experience, in those, like, older years. Gotcha. It seems like all that, like, Noah's Ark and shit, that, like, all seems to be for kids. Every Sunday from the time I was born to when I was 17, you would have found me in a church... And most of that time wearing a suit, at least until I was like 12, Mm -hmm. I never skipped church. Never. Mm -hmm. Like, not like, oh, there's one or two. No, never. Mm -hmm. I was always there. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, I went every Sunday, but we had youth group and it was always about the New Testament. It was never about the Old Testament. Okay. Uh, But yeah, just to give an example already, like, you know, we'd be reading quickly Daniel 3, 19 to 23. And then we're reading Daniel 3, 28 to 29. And then we're reading 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13. Fire is okay. Rejoice in suffering. Isaiah 43, 1 to 3. Walk through the fire and not be burnt. Then we're back to Daniel 3, 30. And like, you're just jumping through the Bible constantly. And sometimes these are leaps of several hundred pages and several hundred years of writings. Yeah. Yeah. And many different authors. And Mm -hmm. the idea is, again, that the Bible is all just, it's all supporting itself and it was written as one solid document. God's word. And so we're flipping as fast as we can. So usually I'm writing down all the references and Carrie is looking up the Bible references. And I must say, Carrie, you do a fine job of navigating the Bible. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, one thing that I appreciated about what they did here that a lot of places don't do is they actually just provided the freaking page numbers. Oh, yeah, because we're all using that same Bible. Yeah. Did you use the page numbers? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, most of the time. I guess like the New Testament, I know really well. But I feel like it's this point of pride uh-huh. with churches where like, even if you're all using the same Bible, you still just say like Philippians 8, 9. And like, you know, it's like, do you know where Philippians is? <laughs> I know where Philippians is. It totally you is. Know? And do you know how to pronounce the names correctly? Do you know right. how to say Philemon instead of Philemon? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I just appreciated that they were like, we all have the same Bible, here's the page number, go. For me, even now, I would look at that and I would be annoyed that the page number was there. Oh, really? Yeah, like every (laughs) single time... I would consciously not look at it. Like, I don't need that. Oh, man. Every don't time tell I was me like, what page thank number you, it's 332. 
thanks. Good. I can't, Boy. I can't turn that off. Like, I'm a little <laughs> insulted, and I, I would never, ever use a page number to find a Bible verse. We used to have, again, me, my suit, and my Assemblies of God church growing up, we would have sword drills where they would call out a Bible verse, and then it would be a competition to see who could get to it first. Wow. And guess who won almost every time? Uh, your cousin Shirley. How did you know that? I love her. <laughs> no, my, my obnoxious self. Uh, so, yeah, this was a highly competitive thing. Your okay. cousin Shirley's obnoxious cousin, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so we learn a lot of things about the Mark of the Beast at that point. It's not going to be a barcode. It's not it's a microchip. It's not 666. It doesn't seem clear what it is, but we know what it's not. And he also has this kind of smug, like, ha, 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 some people think it's this. Isn't that silly? That's so goofy. And it's like, well, okay. You know, you are telling us that this all comes from, like, someone's dream. I mean, like, you know, you're asking us to make some logical leaps. It's not that weird to think that it could just be (laughs) barcode. Yeah, we uh, we always start with a prayer. We end with a prayer, Mm -hmm. as sometimes a few. And since there's going to be two lectures, they gave us a 15-minute break at this point. Right. And we're like, oh, man. (laughs) Dave came to talk to us at this point, and he said, hey, I noticed you had two other friends with you last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, They weren't able to make it tonight. Well, if they come next time, they can give me their email addresses, and I'll, I'll send them a link to a video from yesterday. And I'm looking around. I don't see any cameras or anything. Right. But we learn eventually, like, he has pre-recorded versions of all these talks. Right. But I guess they don't want to give up the goods by just making those publicly available, which I guess, fair enough. And I got to say, this time, I went back with my coupon and I asked about the DVD again. Uh Uh-huh. This time they had them. Woof. Thank goodness. So, not so bait and switchy on that one. I, I did get my... Cosmic Conflict DVD, which we just watched tonight. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, boy. We'll talk about it soon. But I'll still, I'm and still not, holding on to bait and switch number one because they could have just answered you. Oh, totally. Yeah. And and when we say we'll talk about it soon, we don't mean like when Jesus says he's returning soon. <laughs> right. And it could be 2,000 plus years. Yeah. We mean. Like in, reasonable soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within the next couple months when you hear us again. We should start that as a thing. Jesus soon. That means like an incredibly long amount of time. Oh, yeah. So then Pastor Lowell comes up to introduce the second lecture for Saturday. He does his like little silly quizzes and he says, uh, what is the longest word in the dictionary? Oh, that's right. And so I'm thinking like, okay, wait, I've heard this one before. And one kid raises his hand. He's like, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Adorable. And Pastor Lowell doesn't know what to do with like answers that are credible but not what he was looking uh-huh. for. He's like, no, that is not the answer I'm looking for. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who knows the longest word in the dictionary? No and one says anti-disestablishmentarianism. No. Finally, I raise my hand and I say, smiles. Mm-hmm. I look at you like, what? And, <laughs> and he says, <laughs> come on up here. Yeah. <laughs> and so I walk up to the front. What did you say the longest word was? Smiles. And why do you say that? Because there's a mile from S to S? Very good. The whole audience is like, ah. (laughs) No, they were impressed with me. Oh, maybe it was just me overpowering (laughs) everyone. Ah. (laughs) It was coming very loud from you, but a a smattering of applause and and accolades coming from everybody else. And I'm just sounding like a hurt cat. (laughs) So I I won a book for for that particular piece of knowledge called Spirit Baptism and Deliverance. Hey! 
Yay. All right, so. Well, this will be the last thing you'll win, I'm sure. Just in case, start a count in your head. Ross wins one thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> I mean, if it were a normal person at a normal thing, you'd think you'd win one thing. Yeah, so, yeah. statistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good, one Good thing. chance of winning one thing. Good job at winning that one thing, Ross. The last thing you'll win. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so our next presentation is called Prophecies Countdown. Okay. We start with a prayer. We start with some E chords. Mm-hmm. Got to have that singing. It's yep. all, all men this time. Oh, yeah. They were like doing sort of a barbershop-y kind of like. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I liked it. I videotaped that one. Oh, nice. So we spend a lot of time in Matthew. Uh, we're looking at chapters 24 and then kind of jumping around to 16 in other places. Matthew's in the New Testament. and It's one of the stories of Jesus's life. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you may have heard of. Those are the Gospels, the first four books that tell like the actual life story of Jesus. Mm-hmm canonical gospels that was just kind of laying out some of these signs of the end times then he starts jumping around all over the place we're looking at worldwide signs that all these things are coming to pass that there are wars and rumors of wars there's pestilence and diseases there's strange weather patterns they would talk about strange weather patterns and then they put up like a cover of life or time or something that was clearly a reference to climate change, mm-hmm. but then they wouldn't seem to be spinning it as climate change. They would right. they would be like, isn't this weird? There's just such weird things happening in the sky. And it was like, <laughs> well, that, okay, the cover you're showing is about how there were hurricanes because of like the heat patterns. Is right. that, do you know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of mixed signals there. Uh, and then they talk about economic uncertainty. And so like they'll start with a verse And then they'll talk about Bernie Madoff and the national debt. And then they talked about violence and how violence is on the rise. And I was thinking, you need to read Steven Pinker's The Better Angels of Our Nature Mm -hmm. Mm because it is not on the rise. The world's actually getting more peaceful. There will be an increase in earthquakes, an Mm. increase in moral decay. Mm -hmm. So again, scriptural and real world examples of that. 80% of Christians are having sex before marriage. You know, then he talks about the divorce rate and he says, oh, I don't want to accuse any of you. Like if you've gone through divorce, hey, God repairs us. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. And that got a big Uh amen. Yeah. Oh yeah. People like that. That's sweet. Those statistics don't compare the present to the past very well. Yeah. Which is the point. Right. He talked about false prophets. So he talked about David Koresh, Jim Jones, Marshall Applewhite. I think I had gone to peaks. I remember coming back and seeing Marshall Applewhite on the screen and being like, oh, did I miss the cold part? We learned that there's a good sign. So there'd been all this doom and gloom about all these horrible things happening. Right. But... The good sign is that the gospel will go to the whole world. Hey. That is another sign of the end times. Right. Then, uh, so he told the story about being ready for Jesus to come back. And he told this uh, ridiculous story about him being a janitor at a hospital and stealing M&Ms from like a secretary's bowl. The president of the company comes in while he's grabbing M&Ms out of the cupboard. He went straight to the source. He didn't even grab them out of the bowl anymore. He went to steal M&Ms from the lady's cupboard. And then he went and apologized to the president and the president forgave him. But he didn't even, he went to the president and was like, um, so I was actually just refilling. Oh yeah, he lied. From, from the bag. And the president was like, that's okay. 
<laughs> yeah. And then he tells the story the, as if it were some grand gesture of mercy. And maybe maybe the guy knew. I think the was, idea was that the president got like, I whatever, you know, that's yeah, what they're like, there for, I think right, was what he yeah. said. He told us the story as if this was a really important right. moment. It was one of those stories that pastors can tell about their own sins uh-huh. that are properly benign. Yeah. Like you've got the Melissa Scotts who always want to acknowledge that they've got these sins in their past and they've had a and a hard past, and they've learned a lot of lessons from God, and they, they want to say all these kind of general things, but they never want to say any actual bad thing that they've done, because that will then haunt them. Right. And so in, instead, when they do tell a story about them doing something bad, it's stealing M&Ms. Right, right. <laughs> so then we had our final prayer, and Pastor Lowell got up at the end again, as he always does, and he promised us that next time there will be breakfast. <laughs> Tomorrow yes. at 7 p.m., I will serve breakfast. Who here believes me? <laughs> Everyone's like, what? You were like, sure. And sure, we believe it's... Dave looks really confused. <laughs> it's like, you're going to... I'm sorry, you're what? <laughs> oh, you're going to serve breakfast. And this is a real challenge from Lowell. Yeah. Like, will you have trust in yeah. me? Do you believe me? And we're like, yeah, sure. sure okay, okay, there's very little consequence to yeah. believing I mean, you and you being wrong. I don't know exactly wrong. what you mean. Do you mean breakfast food? Because it is the end of the day, but... Sure, whatever. Yes, we believe you. (laughs) So we left with that promise. Yeah. Oh, but Ross, wait. Hang on. Whoa, wait up. I'm hanging. Whoa, boy. Okay. What, what, whoa. Whoa, what's on your mind? I've been thinking a lot. A dangerous pastime? I know, but our podcast network is so great. (laughs) And the shows aren't so-so. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking we should, I want to hear more from like the kind of shows that are on it. Oh, like this one? I'm Allegra Ringo. And I'm Renee Colbert. And we host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? Renee, can I tell you about a dog I met this week? Uh, I wish that you would. In turn, though, can I tell you about a dog hero? May I tell you about a dog breed in a segment I like to call Mutt Minute? (laughs) I would love that. Could we maybe talk about some dog tech? Could we have some cool guests on, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nicole Byer, and Ann Wheaton? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a podcast? Yeah, okay. You think? Perfect. Uh, should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? Sounds the- good to me. <laughs> Meeting's over. All right. So now we come back the next day. It's a Sunday, January eighth, year of our Lord, two thousand seventeen. So we were in a new room this time. We were ushered down the hallway, and everybody knew our names. Like, they were greeting you by name. Yeah, that was weird. Mr. Ross. And we were a little suspicious then. Yeah, because when I came in, I came in a little before you. They have us scan these little tags that are on our keychains. But that time, they didn't have the scanner. And so they just asked me my name, and I said, Carrie Pot. And I, like, didn't even get through my name. And she's like, Poppy, got it. And I was like, whoa. Like, how could she have known my name that fast? Right. I mean, but I think we later learned that they just like latch onto your names. Yeah. And all these random people know who you are. I mean, maybe there were so many regulars there that it wasn't hard to remember like the 10. Yeah, that could be it. But yeah, we came to not really think that they were onto us, but maybe they are. Who knows? So we get into that room. A lot of people are complaining about it being chilly. It's sort of like downstairs. Oh my God. It was so freezing. You were one of the people. Oh my God. It was. Oh my God, I was so glad I had well, that They kept coffee. mentioning that. So yeah, you weren't the only yeah, one. Yeah, it was freezing. 
It was frightening. Uh, Lowell gets up there again, and he uh, pulled out his breakfast biscuits. Oh, yeah. Breakfast biscuits, and he had his assistants go and pass them out to everybody who believed. He had us raise our hands. Who believes in me that I brought breakfast? They're like, okay. So I got some breakfast biscuits because I believed. I got two and gave them both to you because I had eaten. I was munching on breakfast biscuits. Then Dave's wife comes up, uh, Nina, and... They have her draw one of these little name cards at random. And guess who wins? Well, let's see. You've already won. It's probably not you. No, Uh, it was me. What? I won again. What are the odds of that? (laughs) So I won another book, At Jesus' Feet, by Doug Batchelor. Oh, Doug Batchelor. Well, he's the head of Amazing Facts. Yeah. So we're hearing this name more and more. It was on the original flyer as like, hey, I'm the founder of Amazing Facts. And he was the one who wrote the Caveman book. And yeah, this was his as well, At Jesus' Feet. So I actually read this book. And I'll try to do the quickest version of this. But essentially, he based this all, this was like a recounting of the life of Mary Magdalene. He, One of Jesus's followers. Right. She's mentioned very briefly in the Bible. All the synoptic gospel, well, all the gospels mention her in one fashion or another. And we know that she had seven demons cast out of her. Mm-hmm. Then we also know that she was there at the crucifixion mm-hmm. and that she was there at the resurrection when Jesus reappeared. So cool. There's all kinds of different versions of the story of who was there at the crucifixion, who was there at the resurrection. But that's really all it says about Mary Magdalene. But he starts out this whole story saying that she's a prostitute, mm-hmm. which is this longstanding kind of smear. Myth. Yeah. Yeah. Against Mary Magdalene. I'm like, okay, you are all about like scriptural accuracy and you're spouting this thing that is a longstanding myth. And the whole story he starts with is Jesus forgiving the adulterous woman. Okay. An adulteress is not a prostitute. Uh-huh. That's one thing. And then secondly, it doesn't say the name of the lady. She's an unnamed woman. Uh-huh. And that same gospel, John refers to Mary Magdalene elsewhere. And that story is only told in John, and that section of John from like the end of chapter 7, the last verse, to a good chunk of chapter 8, that was not present in all the earliest manuscripts that we find. It didn't show up till hundreds of years later. So even though the, I think that's one of Jesus's nicest stories in the mm-hmm. Bible, it's a later interpolation, and most Bibles even like say that. And so he and it probably wasn't her. Right, exactly. So, like, all of these things are wrong with calling Mary Magdalene a prostitute. And then, even if you assume she was, it's like, okay, someone was a sex worker in, like, the worst patriarchal society ever, and you're going to blame her for the problem? Right. Like, not all the men abusing her. Right. But, like, pick out the victim and be like, you need, what you need is Jesus. There are so many wrong things with this story. And, you know, Jesus forgives her. And then throughout the book, everyone constantly refers to and makes little like comments about her seedy past. And then he conflates her with Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and and sister of Lazarus. And so he conflates those stories. And then he also conflates the sinner, the woman who's described as a sinner who washes Jesus's feet. Mm -hmm. Now, that one's legitimately confusing because it does refer to her as Mary of Bethany in one of the accounts, but in the other three, it doesn't name her. just a random sinning woman. Uh-huh. And sometimes she pours the oil on his feet, sometimes on his head. It's conflicting. It's confusing. But anyways, he conflates all of these. Like, well, there can't be that many women in the Bible, can there? Right. And like turns them into this one Jesus character. Jesus wouldn't hang out with more than one woman. 
Yeah. So that's my angry missive as a reaction to that book. Okay, got it. But like Not all, a fan. you know, there's legitimate contradictions throughout the Bible and the stories he was telling included a lot of those contradictions, like the appearance at the tomb, like how many people were there and who appeared to whom in which direction. And he would find a way to tell this story in such a way that all of them were simultaneously true. Uh-huh. Like there's three different last words given to Jesus. And so he has Jesus say those last words like in quick succession. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop. Okay. He also says that Jesus was hung on a tree. Like he keeps saying a tree because there's a couple odd verses in the Bible that refer to him being hung upon a tree uh, instead of a cross, which right. is not a tree. Right. Okay, I'm done. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm really glad I won that book. <laughs> I gave it to Carrie, so I wouldn't have to look at it anymore. Yeah, I have it now. I own it. I did flip through it and immediately found a section I showed you and was like, well, this seems like loose reasoning. And you were like, oh, yeah, it's all like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I launched into another <laughs> long, angry text series like my diatribe I just gave. Sure. <laughs> then Nina, Dave's wife, sings for us. Yeah. And this was yet another bait and switch because the first night they said that Nina would sing and Jim oh. was looking forward to this. He wanted to hear Dave's wife sing and she didn't. Oh, boy. And so afterwards, he's like, well, when are we going to get to hear her sing? And so I texted him. I said, Nina's actually singing now. <laughs> She has a pretty voice. Yeah, she was a great singer. There was this slideshow behind her of the suffering Christ. And so there were all these like bloody, brutal <laughs> pictures of like different men pretending to be Jesus uh-huh. and being covered in fake blood. Right. It's just really weird. Like this tall, pretty, thin woman uh-huh. uh, singing with all these brutalized Jesuses behind her. I don't know. It yeah. was surreal. Yeah, I guess I'm so used to that imagery that it kind of flew by me. <laughs> This time we're on to Prophecy Superpowers. That is the uh, title for today. There are about 70 people there, so we're keeping our attendance up high. Uh, and so we are looking at first the order of how all these things would come. Like people disagree on what comes first. Is it the Antichrist and then the second coming and then the tribulation, like where people are made to suffer under the rule of the beast and then the mark of the beast comes? So, like, you know, people kind of rearrange those in terms of what's coming first and what's coming second. And then they argue based on scripture, but we're going to get the amazing facts on this. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to the bottom of mm-hmm. it. Because uh, this isn't about his opinion. Nope. This is about facts. Yep. Now we're on to Belshazzar. So we look at Daniel 7. We spend a long time in Daniel 7. So there's another dream and visions that Belshazzar has. And so this time, like, he sees all these beasts rising up. There's a lion with eagle wings, a bear, and all of these are interpreted for us. So the lion with eagle wings is Babylon, the bear, and that's the Medo-Persians. Like, again, why can't these things just be eagles and bears and be forgotten? Yeah, what if he'd just forgotten his dream, like most people do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and then the, the bear has- But also, even if you remember it, why can't he just be like, I had a crazy dream. There was a bear and an eagle. It was beautiful. They were in a river. That's nice. Yeah. That's great. What were they doing? One was flying and the other was fishing. That's, oh. That's cool. Not that's as good great. as like a dream where little white boys and little black boys can hold hands. Uh-huh. Sure. That would be the, a better dream, but famous one. that'll come later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the bear rises up and it has three ribs in its mouth because they took over three nations, we learned. Why? If God's sending these dreams, just send us pictures of those nations warring and have them have hats that say, like, Syria. Then we would know what you're talking about. I feel the urge to, like, 
give a rejoinder to that, but I got nothing. <laughs> I, I just yeah. don't know why God made this so complicated. To give and, these people something to obsess over for years on end. And throughout this conference, David keeps being like, am I making any of this up? No, it's in the Bible. He keeps like <laughs> saying that and like daring people to say that he's making it up. And I kept wanting to be like, well, kind of. <laughs> I mean... These are real stretches, man. Uh, well, I mean, so far up to this point, at least, like I'm tracking with him. Say, okay, this is all what I learned before. Yeah. Yes. Is- I mean, I don't think they're originals from him. I'll give him that. Uh-huh. But it's not like, oh yeah, this is clearly in black and white. It's right. like, well, this is insane. Yeah, it, and I am thinking constantly, like, okay, but Daniel was written a lot later than you think it was, and this wasn't as impressive a job of prophetic work as uh, one would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say the author's original intent was to have these visions tracking with real world events. Yeah. And no, superpowers. They are. they are, but that's so crazy. Okay, then comes a leopard with four wings. Why? And four heads. Why? Because it's Greece. That's why. Did you know Alexander the Great never lost a battle? He had scars on the chest, but not on his back because he never retreated. <laughs> that's so stupid. That's. <laughs> He cried. That's so dumb. He cried when there were no more worlds to conquer. Ugh, fuck that guy. <laughs> Scars on his face, but not on his back. He died when so he was dumb. when he was thirty three, like our Lord and Savior Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Uh, then the fourth beast arises, and uh, and it's just described as a beast, but it has iron teeth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, picture in your head. A beast with iron teeth and ten horns. My brain doesn't even want to summon that up. It's so bored. Like, my brain is like, this is useless. <laughs> I'm not making images for you anymore. Okay, this is embarrassing, but as a kid, I would draw pictures of these things. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep, I was trying to visualize these prophecies. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I'd be drawing, like, the visions from Ezekiel and Daniel. Oh, wow. Yeah, trying to make my own little versions of the See, beast. whereas my brain's like, I've cut you off. Yeah, the, the picture they had on the screen looked like some beast out of Diablo, the video game that I love playing mm. from Blizzard. Ten horns splaying out in different directions. And that was Rome. And we get to learn again when Rome started and when Rome ended. And we learned that Rome fell because it was a violent society. There was a sexual obsession and they had a welfare system. Oh. Oh, and then does and then that he sound said, like any country like we know? Else? Yeah, <laughs> and everyone was like, mm-hmm. one of many like little conservative nods. Yeah, a welfare system. Yeah, that's how to destroy they a nation. The U.S. guys. So, what do these ten horns represent? The same ten horns uh, that we talked about when we had ten toes on a foot. And so we go over all that again. And so then in Daniel seven eight, another little horn springs up. He said that people disagree on what this is, but we know. It's the Antichrist. Now, hang the fuck on. So, like, the Hanging most on. important piece of this whole puzzle is this little <laughs> insignificant... A little horn. Horn. That springs up on this weird random beast. in On one beast head. in the middle of a whole vision. I mean, it's just... This is so bonkers. Carrie, pay attention. This is important. Right. These are the 12 identifying marks of the Antichrist. Are Here you ready? Go. Okay. Okay. Number one. One. It shall be among them. So Wow, that's clear as mud. No, no, no. That means we're not going to look at North Korea or South America. It's going to be among the European superpowers. Okay. See? Okay, we're narrowing it down. Already at number one. Number two, it's going to be a little country because it's a little horn. 
Okay. A it, small country among the European superpowers. So this is where you turned to me and you said, it's the Vatican. I said, <laughs> don't get ahead of us. Calm down. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something else. Uh, but you were, you were excited. Uh, and then- You know why I was excited? Why? Because I had texted you a couple days before and said, I hope it's the Pope. Oh. Remember? <laughs> That's right. You did have a Pope Hope. Yeah. <laughs> because I had hoped there would be sweet Pope Francis. Number three identifying mark is going to be- that it will pluck up three because there's this whole little aside about how three of the horns get plucked up. So those are the Heruli, the Vandals, and the Ostrogoths that were completely obliterated. And he said, how many of you here are, and he like compared different nations, how many of you here are Vandals? And like none of us raise our hands. That's because they're completely obliterated. I was thinking about that. I was thinking like, I mean, 23andMe can detect Neanderthal DNA. I wonder Mm. if this is really obliterated, but okay. There might have been some intermarriage. I'm not sure how much to trust any of that information he Mm -hmm. gave us, like that they were major superpowers. Number four, the Antichrist will make war with the saints. It'll be a persecuting power. So that's another identifying mark. Number five, it will come after them. So it will come after the divided Rome in 476. That could mean two things, though. It could come after you. Yeah, but you know, I'm sure if we looked at the original yeah, language. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever they had to, they would delve into like a Greek word or yeah, something. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll give them that. Then uh, the next phrase, number six, was diverse from the first, which means <sighs> that, <laughs> that it would be both political and religious. So it wouldn't just be another political power. Right. That's how it's diverse. Number seven, the Antichrist speaks great words, which means the same as blasphemy. So it's going to speak blasphemy. What? Why does that mean the same as blasphemy? Why are you questioning this, Gary? (laughs) That's what it is. Uh, Essentially, it means a man claiming to forgive sins. That's blasphemy. Well, that's one thing blasphemy is. Or, or they do allow when a man claims to be God. Right. That's blasphemy. That's also okay. blasphemy. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Right. Number eight, the Antichrist will think to change times and laws. So they're going to try to change God's law. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So this is really confusing. So number nine is time and times and the dividing of time. Ugh. So we learned that that's time is one and times is two. So that's time and times. One plus two is three. And the dividing of time, that means half of a time. So okay, what? Hold on. Stay with me. So now we have no. three and a half Mm-mm. years. Mm-mm. But these are Mm-mm. these are prophetic years, Mm-mm. Carrie. <laughs> if you're not coming Mm-mm. along for this, you're going to be left nope. behind. Okay. Nope. So this is where we learn nope. that in nope. prophecy... Prophecy operates by a certain thing called the day-year principle. Principle. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, this is where uh, when it's (laughs) prophesied that something will be a day, they actually mean a year. Why? Uh Because they do. Because it didn't happen in the number of years, and so now we have to talk about days. Okay, so we jump around the Bible, like looking at different verses where God kind of refers to day, but he actually means like a longer span of time, or he means year. Ridiculous. Or, or where he uses like poetic language to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. conflate the two. And every time they said this, I was like, okay, then did God create the world in six years instead of six 
days, but then I guess like since that wasn't prophecy, that's different. I mean, why would that be different? Right. I don't even know. Yeah, I remember we were taught, oh, that's a possible option is the day age theory that each day of creation was a lot longer. But then we have to wonder why plants were created on day three and the sun and moon were not created until day four. Yeah. Yeah. So. Where they what they eat. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, so we're introduced to this day year principle logic. And so it refers to three and a half prophetic years. But if you multiply that out, that's uh, 1,260 prophetic days, which is actually real world 1,260 years. Why? Why would you need to do that? And we got this all from time, time, and the dividing of time. Yep. Which could just be an artistic phrase for like really long. So yeah, we, we turned that phrase into a number, and then we grossly expanded that number mm-hmm. by 365, and now we have, or 360. And in now this we case. have this very specific number of years. Yeah, and they were only using the years 360 days. Oh, right, because that used to be yeah, the, that, the year. Right, exactly. So, ta da! <laughs> so now we know it's going to be 1,260 years. Yeah, this is nuts. That the Antichrist will be in power, I guess. Right. All right. So there, there was a lot of time spent on that, but that's, that's the basics of it. Number 10, sign of the Antichrist, is that the Antichrist will be worldwide. It's going to be a big influence. Universal, you could say. Ah, now this is a hint. He said with a wink. And then I looked at Carrie and said, all right, you're right. Uh-huh. It's the Vatican. Because what does Catholic mean? Apparently it means universal, universal. which I didn't know, but oh. you told me. Yeah, one of those things I was raised with. All right, number 11, a deadly wound healed. There will be a deadly wound, and the Antichrist will survive that deadly wound. Oh, yeah, that was number 12. So I guess the deadly wound was number 11, and 12 was it being healed. I don't know. Anyways, we have 12 signs of the Antichrist. We are ready now to identify this Antichrist. And so he says... This is a rhetorical question, okay? So when someone asks a rhetorical question, you don't answer, all right? No, Brucey said, do you all know what a rhetorical question is? <laughs> uh, which, like, I really didn't know if we were supposed to answer. Can you answer, answer. That? Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he wanted to make sure none of us were going to answer his next question, yeah. but then it comes up on the slide. Who is it? Well, I want you all to think about this and pray in your hearts. And we're going to reveal next time who the Antichrist is. Yay. And at this point, okay, we're both... Okay, I'm a little excited because I know I'm right, which yes. is always exciting to know that you're, you've succeeded <laughs> sure. in guessing. Yeah. But we're both also a little disappointed because, because something we haven't said this whole time because so we don't want to give it away is that we've both heard this for a very long time. Yeah, from Tony Alamo. From Tony Alamo, <laughs> from Jack Chick. Yes. Chick tracks. Oh, yeah. All along, so much of the church has identified the Vatican as the anti, well, as the beast. Mm-hmm. And I was even more crestfallen because, sure, all right, Vatican can be the beast. That's like the power. But the Antichrist is usually named as a person that mm-hmm. is like specifically claiming to be Jesus. Uh, you know, most contemporary Christians like kind of name someone as the Antichrist and the beast is understood to be a power. Right. So, yeah, I was all ready for the Vatican to be the beast, but like, oh, come on, you're going to make it the Antichrist too? Yeah. That's not fun. Yeah, boring. So they haven't fully revealed it yet, but then as we're leaving, they give us all these handouts for our binders. And if you read it, it, it's, it's just says it tells it. you. It says yeah. the papacy. It tells Yeah, yeah. 
or papacy if you prefer. And then also, by the way, if you go to Amazing Facts website, it just gives it away. Like if you if you look through it, it just says like, oh, by the way, the Antichrist is. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh huh. Funny. I yeah. know you've spent a lot then more time I, yeah, there. Mm-hmm. So he prays, and and we're all done. But Carrie, speaking of websites, Mm -hmm. what if you have an idea about how the world is going to end or who the Antichrist will be Mm -hmm. or... I have a lot of ideas. How to maximize your bio energies. How are you going to share that with the world? How would you create a website? I guess first I'd go to squarespace.com. That's good because Ono, Ross, and Carrie is supported in part by Squarespace. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd make my next move with Squarespace. They have beautiful award-winning designer templates. That's right. You can even create an online store with them if you want to sell goods for people to buy before the apocalypse. Mm -hmm, Which may be coming sooner than we expected. It's an all-in-one platform. Yeah, not, not only their designer templates, but also their customer support has also won awards. (laughs) Did you know you can call them at all hours of the night? Like, even if you're just lonely, even if there's nothing wrong with your website, but just like you want a friend, you can, they're open at all times. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And those are prophetic weeks. So (laughs) technically that's many, many years they (laughs) will be open. Yeah, for at least 1,260 years. They have a unique domain experience that's fully transparent, Ross. You can see right through it, and it's simple to set up. Mm -hmm. And you can use it for whatever you're interested in, promoting yourself, a business. What if I am a restaurateur? Yeah, yeah, you can use it for that purpose. What if I'm an author? Yeah, or an author, uh, well, you know, for a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, you can visit squarespace.com slash. Oh, no. O-H-N-O. Yeah, that means you can use it without paying even up front. But when you put in that code, if you do then decide like, hey, I like what I built here. I want to keep expanding on this. Then you get 10% off. Pretty awesome. Squarespace. Build, Build it, it beautiful. beautiful. We returned the very next day. Because they have these, this becomes a repeating schedule. You have one on Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday, one on Monday. Yeah. So Monday, 7 p.m., we show up again. So uh, I don't think you were there for this one. Yeah, I wasn't able to go to this one. But Jim Newman came back. Can't wait to hear what happens. Hoping to hear Nina sing. All the usual greeting at the door and all that. Uh, They do another drawing. They make a big deal about Ross winning twice. Uh, Can he win three times? I've never seen that before. I didn't. I didn't win. Sorry. Poor Ross. Yeah. The E chord scene. We do the five question pop quiz. Uh, So I'm sitting with Jim towards the back left side of the auditorium. And when Gil is done, we haven't talked too much about Gil yet, have we? I don't think we've talked about Gil at all. Oh, my goodness. Gil. Yeah. So Gil is- uh, Gil Ricketts, the greatest name on earth. (laughs) Is that his last name, Ricketts? Yeah, Gil Ricketts. Short for Gilbert, but he prefers we not say Gilbert in his presence. So okay. he's Gil. He's from Indiana, and, and he's got the most Indiana name of all time, yep. Gil Ricketts. He talks like this, and he's really emphatic. He's kind of an understudy for uh, Dave Stewart. A mm-hmm. uh, real friendly guy, but like so demonstrative, like goes out of his way. To tell you how excited he is to see you, mm-hmm. and you wonder if he's putting it on a little bit. You don't know. 
He's like 24. A tall, uh, thin fella. Young, I should stop Caucasian, talking like that. Young Caucasian brunette man. Yeah. Uh, and he has that beard where you shave off the mustache. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of an Amish looking Yeah, we're look. like almost Abe Lincoln beard, but yeah. very close, uh, closely trimmed. Yeah, real sweet guy. Yeah. I like his style a lot because he tends to wear like... Something, yeah, unpredictable, like patterns like, that don't quite go together. Yeah, which I love. I think it looks really great. He had like, the well, bright like, green shirt that a weatherman couldn't wear because then the clouds would be going right, <laughs> right. through his chest. Or like uh, stripes with polka dots, that kind of thing. Right, yeah. I like it a lot. Stripes with plaid. Yeah, totally. Uh, so yeah, we like Gil. That particular service, he came to sit right behind Jim and I. And again, you and I had been talking about how everyone knows our names now. And so I was like, oh, is, are they on us? They're keeping an eye on us. Mm-hmm. Like I'm starting to get like a little paranoid, but no one says anything like that. Then they start with the identifying marks, go through all of those again, and then reveal it's the Vatican. Oh boy. Yep. The Roman Catholic Church. Which they had said at the previous meeting, like it's pretty obvious now. Now, right. if you haven't figured it out, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> and if you read your little handout, yeah, you get it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and all these handouts uh, are essentially, they're just condensations of each lecture, and they give you little empty lines to fill in. So you go read the Bible verses again, you got to look them up in your Bible, and then fill in the missing in the words, yeah. which uh, reminds me again of church growing up, they'd always give you those little fill in the, the blank sheets, make sure you're paying attention. So Dave very carefully prefaced this and said, look, I don't, I don't want to be offensive. I know many of you may have been raised Catholic or have loved ones who are Catholic, and my parents were Catholic. So this isn't something— Oh, wow. Yeah, he said, this isn't something I came up with, uh, and he— Quotes all these different theologians. So he's got like a Martin Luther quote and all these other things to, to kind of back him up. But he's saying like, look, uh, I believe there are many Catholics who are very well-intentioned. We'll see them in heaven. Uh, but the Vatican itself, the Roman Catholic Church, is the Antichrist. And so he gives all these little statistics about how it's the smallest country in the world. Says that it's 0.17 square miles or 110 acres, whereas Burbank is 17.2 square miles. Then he he has all these quotes, and he shows examples of the Vatican being violent, the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, the Book of Martyrs. That's like any country you pick, you can like sure. pick uh, out some battles. But certainly it has like a bad track y- record. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's all fair. Yeah, and so then he had all these different quotes from various religious authorities just kind of saying all these aspects of the Vatican. He talks about how they've tried to change God's laws. A big deal is that the Catholic Catechism did away with the Second Commandment, which is the one that says you shall not have any graven images. Oh, uh-huh. Because Catholic Church is really into iconography. Symbology, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariolatry uh, was a word that I learned growing up, like the worship ah, of Mary. Yes. Uh, then they shortened the fourth commandment and removed a bunch of words from it to make up the rest of the Ten Commandments. They divided the tenth one into two. That's true. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, Catholics learn a different set of Ten Commandments than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I th- do. That's interesting. <laughs> I see. I can't turn it off. Uh, I think I've recommended this on the show before, but I recommend that everybody read Exodus 34 for this amazing story of after Moses destroys the Ten Commandments, like he doesn't have them anymore. And so God tells him, come back to the mountain, I'll write them for you again. So he writes them in God's own hand, totally different. Mm -hmm. Read Exodus 34, it's amazing. Okay, moving on. (laughs) 
So then he talks about how the Ostrogoths were overthrown in 538 AD. And then if you advance those 1,260 years from the overthrow of the Ostrogoths, Oh, you're just nodding along. You look like you believe what I'm saying. That's great. If you just add the 1,260 prophetic years, Mm -hmm. you get to 1798 AD. Mm -hmm. And that is when the Antichrist suffered a mortal wound. Okay. (laughs) So don't you remember the Roman Catholic Church being obliterated in 1798? No. No, me neither, because that didn't happen. But he says that it did. Berthier... Napoleon's general broke the church's political power. Okay. That's what I got in my notes. That's what they said, 1798. Okay. So the Antichrist is not a person, but a system. Man, I was so crestfallen. Oh, my God. So boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny. Like, Carrie would be writing in her notes, like, I am so bored. And I'd be riveted. I'd be like, this is amazing. What are you talking about? (laughs) I just can't, I keep just thinking of this big picture, like God being like, this is so important for people to know. I'm going to bury this in ancient history in a thing that no one's going to remember for thousands of years. Right. It's very important that they get it. And you have to go to this one seminar in Burbank (laughs) that 70 people will go to and most of them will be very bored, but this will be the only way you can know. Too bad for all of you who never learned about this or who were aborigines in Australia. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's just insane. So, yeah, the the rest of the lecture was just going through point by point and showing how the Roman Catholic Church has fulfilled every one of these identifying marks supported by scripture and history. And that was pretty much it. They promised us if we came back at the end of the week next Friday to repeat this cycle all over again, we'd learn about the most important Bible prophecy about Jesus. We ended with a prayer, and that was it. All right. So now we get to... Day five, where you were not. The first one I missed. Yeah, I was there, but you were not. So as I went in, David remembered my name. Jim was there, and he did not remember Jim's name. Oh. He my name. Okay, they gave out, or Lowell gave out trail mix to the person who had traveled the farthest, which I thought was the funniest reward for like, this woman had traveled from Canada, and mm-hmm. she got trailed <laughs> Tiny portion of trail mix. All worth it. As a reward. So then we reviewed the Antichrist stuff. They said Antichrist is not a person, but a system that has existed for centuries. So Lowell introduced David as David Stewart, our beloved attorney. (laughs) She loved. (laughs) He told us when the next few talks would be. So it always starts with these like ads for the next few talks. Oh, that would drive me crazy because like they would leave up one screen and each of these had a big graphic and it was, you know, one of these pious paintings. And the one they would leave up would be an ad for the next talk. And so I would start my notes by writing in bold, like, this is the talk we're attending. Uh-huh. And then I'd quickly realize, no, this is not the one. So I'd no, have to it's sc- an ad for the next day's talk. Up. Okay, so then David said, okay, now we're going to have a very special song. Every time a song was introduced, it was a very special song. Hmm. So we had a very special song from a trio of women. This particular trio, not so good, Ross. Oh, um, no. Some pretty tortured harmonies. So at this point, Jim still hasn't heard Nina sing. No. Mm-mm. Oh, poor Jim. Poor Jim. Um, so they were bad, huh? No, not good. Not good, Ross. Aww. Yeah, too bad. Before we started, David says, "Okay, now what we're gonna what we're gonna study today could make your fingers fall off." Okay, because in the Talmudic law, it says that if you study this part of the Bible, Daniel eight, 
your fingers will fall off. And then what? he shows us like in the Talmud, there's this part that basically <gasps> oh, yeah. says, it basically says if you try to determine when the Messiah will come, then like a curse on you where, where your fingers will fall off. I interpreted it to just basically mean if you study this part to try to figure out when the Messiah will come, then a curse on you and your fingers should fall off. Yeah. And you know, I remember this now because he sent me the video link. And, uh, okay. and so, yeah, I was watching. Yeah, it was a Talmudic curse. But Christians have taken it as like, oh, they don't even want us to figure out that. They Jesus, don't want you to read this section. Right. It's, that Jesus was the Messiah because then we'll become Christians. If Kevin Trudeau was writing this, he would say the Bible passages no they don't want you, you to read. read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we reviewed the sequence of Daniel 8, which, you know, we had gone over who knows how many times, but we're going oh, over yeah. them again. Ugh. So in Daniel 8, 14, it says that the sanctuary will be cleansed after 2,300 days. Okay, Ross? Yeah. No, okay. And that's like one of the rare times where it actually says a number and you don't have to like extrapolate it. But it says days, and we're like, no, it's years. Uh-huh, sure. And then David stops and is like, have you ever wondered how fast angels fly? Well, the length of Daniel's prayer is how fast an angel flies from heaven to earth. What? Because the angel came to explain the vision. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Then in Daniel 9.24, uh, it says that there are 70 weeks for Israel to remain captive and then be restored to God. Oh, yes. Okay. Then in Daniel 9.25, when Israel is released from captivity, the 70 weeks begin. At this point, I wrote, boy, I don't understand this. <laughs> then we're told that grace has its limits. And at some point, you need to get serious about God. I don't know what's going on, Ross. Is um, that what you wrote in your notes? No, I'm just trying to make heads or tails out of this. Um, anyway, this all culminates in this insane diagram where 69 weeks times seven days equals 483 days equals 483 years equals 487 BC is the beginning time and 27 AD is the ending time. Oh yeah, because 487 BC, that's when the command is given to rebuild the temple. Right. What, you weren't raised on this? No, what is <laughs> You happening? had a normal childhood? <laughs> no, I don't know what's happening. And then... <laughs> How are okay. your fingers doing at this point? <laughs> Fine, but I'm just like scribbling this down madly and trying to understand what's happening. Sometimes they'll cover everything really like carefully and piece by piece and like you can follow along. And then sometimes they'll just be like breakneck be like this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, stop, wait, what? And I feel like maybe that's when his arguments aren't quite as well. Uh-huh. Uh, there's like a little more prestidigitation going on. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, th that was just kind of my impression. Impression. This all adds up to him making the case that it's foretold that Jesus will be the Messiah because all these crazy numbers add up to the year that Jesus was anointed. Yep. Not the year that Jesus was born. Nope. Not the year that Jesus died. Nope. Not the year that Jesus started his ministry. Uh -uh. The year that, kind of. Well, yeah, kind of. But the year that Jesus was baptized yeah. in the yeah, river Yeah, literally Jordan. anointed? No. Metaphorically anointed by being baptized by John the Baptist. Yes, in the River Jordan. Which, okay, 27 AD. We never know exactly when Jesus is supposed to have been born. 
Like no one thinks it was zero AD or one AD. Right. And the biblical stories, a surprise conflict about this. Like Herod the Great was supposed to have been a ruler and his rule only went to four BC. But then Quirinius was also supposed to have been like the legate in Syria. And that didn't happen until six AD. So oops, there's no real time if those stories are true that Jesus could have actually been born. And so, you know, it's very fluid. So the idea is, I guess, that he was around 30 in 27 AD. Right. So then David says, if Jesus had been baptized one year before or one year after, he couldn't be the Messiah. Oh, yeah, (laughs) sure. I'm so sure that, like, if Jesus had been born that year, you would be saying, no, he's not the Messiah, (laughs) because that's the year he's supposed to be baptized. Yeah. Then what if there were no competitors who were baptized or anointed in 27 AD? Would you be like, oh, no, God's word wasn't fulfilled. Right, right. No, I think you would find another way to make sure that that was considered just the right year. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this I found, like, the most preposterous thing. So uh, he keeps talking about these 70 weeks that are foretold um, in this prophecy. Yes. And the 70 weeks, there's, like, this sort of hanging on last week of it that's not accounted for. You're right. There's 69 major. Yeah, I remember this. So there's 69 weeks that are accounted for. And then there's just another (laughs) week where you're just like, why is that there then? Yeah. And I remember like the whole original 70 weeks multiplied by seven to get the number of days. That's like the 70 times seven. Some of you may remember that at one point, I think it was Peter asked Jesus, Uh, How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times, thinking he was being generous. And Jesus says, no, forgive him 70 times seven. I I think I remember Dave saying that this was like a significant, like, oh, it was actually pointing back to this prophecy, which has no connection to the discussion of forgiveness. But okay, whatever. You're saying because you watched the videotape later of this talk. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is what I've written down. The last week of these 70 weeks will be Jesus's ministry and death mm-hmm. right on time in the middle of the seven-year period. What? Yeah, so like I guess in the prophecy itself, it kind of breaks down that final week and like subdivides it. And so... <laughs> assen- like you could take this and make anyone the Messiah. So essentially like Jesus's ministry is supposed to be now seven years starting in 27 AD when he is baptized by John the Baptist. But he dies in the middle of the week, essentially, after three and a half years, he's crucified. And so then his ministry continues. And this is, I think, one of the weakest points that they make in the the whole seminar is that like Jesus's ministry then continues. And like three and a half years later, there's some culmination in the the work of his apostles that carry on his word. Right. I, I can't even remember what point he made. I think they made. said that the Jews had like a probationary period that yes. ended. Yes. Until 34 AD, and then that's when the word of God went out, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, this is so insane. Oh, we haven't mentioned, by the way, Christ is not Jesus's last name. We are reminded it is just the Greek word for anointed, for Christos, uh, which is just the corollary of the Jewish word Messiah, which also means anointed. So think of those as the same words. This is actually true. This isn't just... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) It it was an amazing fact. Right. (laughs) So then he hands out this book called Spiritual Israel, which makes the case that 
Israel is no longer a place. It is a people, and that people is the Christian believers. Mm -hmm. So guess who is the Jews now, Ross? Christians Mm. are the Jews. Hey, that's convenient. Now we're the chosen people. (laughs) Oh, my God. Again, I say we. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're both. Yeah, that's uh, right. You're Jewish by descent. My mother's mother is Jewish. That makes me legit. And grew up Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, boy, you really can claim it. But, God, they were, like, they hand out this <laughs> this pamphlet with, like, a Star of David on it. That's this uh, Oh, yeah, I got Israel. one. Israel, and its whole case is that Israel as a land no longer exists, and... Oh, did you actually read oh, it? Oh, my goodness. I flipped through it, but he was talking about it beforehand oh, okay. and told us what it was all about. I have a copy here. He was Doug like, Bassler. we are all Israel, all of us in this room. And I was like, no, no, we're not. No, no, <laughs> sir. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that's, yeah, that's what they believe. Mm-hmm. And then they handed out, they, they had a guy sing a song and they handed out a piece of paper. I have mine here because I did not fill it out, but it was a piece of paper called My Decision for Christ. Um, you put your name on it and then you can check off these little boxes that say, I confess that I'm a sinner and ask God to forgive me. I accept the death of Jesus to pay my death penalty of sin. I accept Christ's shed blood to atone for my sin. I choose to believe I'm forgiven, cleansed of sin, and clothed in Christ's righteousness. I rejoice that Christ has given me salvation and presents me faultless before the throne of God. You've said it now, Carrie. That's binding. <laughs> so both, I feel different. So Jim, <laughs> Jim passed his in blank. Yes. And you kept yours. And I kept mine. Okay. Yeah, I didn't feel ready to make that decision for Christ. But yeah, it was like a pretty... high pressure sales tactics yeah and it felt kind of quick i was like "Ooh, day five wow okay guys mm-hmm. one point he did make that i'll definitely give him is that he said you know some people think that the 70th week this kind of hanger on mm-hmm. last week some people say well since that is kind of it seems to be hanging on and like loose they'll put it two thousand years after the others and they put it in modern life but that doesn't make any sense you know it'd be like saying my house is 10 miles away but the last mile is 40 miles past that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fine. Though I would say that they make many little special pleading arguments that are, are as preposterous as, as what he... Yeah, when logic works in their favor, they are very happy to trot it out and yes. be like, hey, look at this. See, that makes sense. You wouldn't say this, would you? Yes. But then when... Uh, This comes up later when the Bible says that the earth has four corners. They don't say like, and what shape has four corners? Right. Which normally would be their question, but that doesn't lead to a a satisfactory conclusion. So they don't ask that question. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's fair. Just want to give you guys a heads up. At this point, we had already started to suspect that this group was affiliated with a particular (sighs) denomination. Yes. And we're going to hear more about that. Yes. And, and boy, howdy. Yeah. And there, there are two different ways that we both had it confirmed to us. But we're going to, just like they kept us in suspense about who the Antichrist would be, we're going to keep you in suspense about their church affiliation. Mm-hmm. So I want you to pray in your hearts and ask, what yeah. church are they affiliated with? Or you could look it up. But why would you do that? Yeah. Why wait, would you ruin it for wait, yourself? Wait, come on. There's going to be a fun reveal. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they're keeping something from you. They're keeping something from you, you guys. 
So we have given you six lectures so far. Mm-hmm. And again, each one of these is an hour and a half long. Yeah. And so we will come back with more of our experience. At this point, we have been to how many? 15 oh my God. lectures we have yeah. been to. Uh, I've missed two. You've missed a Three, small... I think. Okay. But yeah, we've been going back over and over. So we're getting near the end. Yeah, it, it, literally, the yeah. end times. I, I kept joking. I think the end will come before these lectures end. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for this show. Uh, We're going to save ratings for later. Yeah. But you should know that our producer and co-editor is Ian Kramer. And our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. You can support us at MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. And you can see all our photos and videos and posts and whatnot at Facebook.com forward slash OnRack. There are so many fun things there. Go check it out. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. We're going to post images from this investigation. You can also leave us a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever else you listen to our show. And remember... How many of you are... are hoping I can tell you exactly when the world's going to end and when Jesus is coming back. Doesn't the Bible say no one knows the day or the hour? Yes. Okay, but didn't Jesus say, even though we can't know the exact time, there are signs that are, that are rapidly being fulfilled to tell us when we know we're getting close. My name is Patrick. My name is Ariel. My name is Joe Coglin. The first time I uh, went to MaxFunCon, I didn't know anyone. I was really uh, nervous about that. Everyone said not to worry about going alone, that I'd make friends right away, that I'd have an amazing time. It turns out everyone was right. I instantly had 200 new friends. I've made lifelong friends at MaxFunCon that I'm going to keep in touch with for the rest of my life. If you aren't sure if you belong at MaxFunCon, you belong. Don't be like me. Don't waste two years being too nervous. Just go already. Join Ariel, Patrick, and Joe at MaxFunCon. Tickets for MaxFunCon and MaxFunCon East are on sale now at MaxFunCon.com. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.